welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Uh, my name is C.J. Reynolds, and I have run this channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, which really means um, it doesn't mean I'm a rapper. A lot of people think that. A lot of people think that I can rap, and I'm not. I'm not a rapper at all. I can clap on beat but that's about it um you're really moving the puzzle and you're messing you're well, smushing all my parts together so. you're and you're interrupting my intro to the Star podcast over. so I'm, i will not this is real rap not real nonsense so um the idea here is you show up with a question on sunday nights and i answer it but even though tomorrow is martin luther king day so everybody except for arizona have off tomorrow i think that's still the thing in arizona i don't think they celebrate martin luther king jr day Dude, I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure that that's the case. That's awful. Does anyone in Arizona celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day? Like, that's do you? Is, just, is it observed? Believe. I don't think it's observed. <clears throat> I'm not saying people don't celebrate in their own way, but uh, this is the live feed. It happens every single Sunday night at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also catch it as a podcast on every platform that you can conceivably get a podcast from. Just go right in. Real Rap with Reynolds, Teacher Talk. I think that's what it is. Jake's going to tell me that it's called something else. But um, And so it's able to get out there because I, I do the live feed, and then my guy Jake puts it out there for the world to, to know about. And so Jake is just one of the like the unsung magic people behind the scenes of, of Real Rap with Reynolds, including the not-so-secret wife and our friend Edie, who's our assistant. And and Tracy Pinter and Uniform Uniforms Rock Unicorns Rock. Um, so look, if this isn't enough for you, we also have a Facebook group that's called Real Rapid Round Teacher Talk. You can go in there. It's a closed group for teachers. You can also go to you do that every week, I or you do forget to not do that every week. <laughs> you can go to. Um, uh, you can get the book, which is coming on April of 2020 by Dave, Dave Burgess Consulting. And I can come speak to your school. So if any of that stuff is interesting to you, just hit me up. You can also see, find all this stuff at realrapidreynolds.com. On to the questions. All right, let's jump in. So look, if you have a question, um, if you're new here, you just throw a question in there. You can write question before it or just Q. And you don't have to, but like it just tips us off. It like makes your it stand out. Um, I might not be the only one that answers it though. So there might be people on the side here that are going to just answer your question anyway, because that's what they do, because they're lovely human beings and they're trying to help people out. So um, that's that, I'm gonna jump in. Brooke is asking, will you continue to host Sunday night uh, talks over the summer break? Similarly, how do you, how you did during winter break? Yeah, I think I'm absolutely gonna do that. And here's why, July, there's typically a spike in teacher videos. So th this year it wasn't as much, but the year before, it was like huge growth for the channel. And what that really lets me know is that um, people are watching. And so if people are watching, I want to make stuff for folks. And so that typically is a time where like first year teachers seem to be getting ready to teach for the first time. And in many parts of the country, they're going back in August. So I think that that's going to absolutely be the gig. The only, I don't, I don't know that anything would prevent me, but my hope is that the book leads to a lot of speaking engagements, which will probably happen over the summer. And then um, who knows? Maybe it'll be like I know, but it's Sunday, talk on so the road. we're always home, though. Like Unless not, I can't get a flight back or something like that. You're going to get flights back. Oh, you think so? Yes. Because you, you'll miss me? Yes. All right. I you're not I'm allowed going. to go out for like days. Okay. You have to like. I'm going to put out, pull out and come back. Fly yes. and then fly back the same day. Yep. Uh, Scott Ordway is asking, how do you frame it? 
so that students understand that some lessons will not be fun, but still be a valuable lesson. Um, Scott, I think, how do I tell kids that things aren't going to be fun? I first try to figure out a way to make just about anything fun, right? So how can you deliver the content, even though it's not exciting, um, is one thing. And so I think that some of that really comes from, I'm going to speak to that first, and I'm going to answer your actual question. From just sitting and um, thinking about, no, don't, that, that just stays like, because look, the oh sound goes right in there. Oh. It doesn't go on the top. Sorry. And if you looked at the video online, you would. You would know that. So I got, I'm all, Sorry, I'm all set up. Um, Jake's going to get upset now. Uh, so if you, um, my wife is moving the microphone over here. And so like, if you don't talk into the front of it and you're talking to the top of it, the, it doesn't record you, record you. Clearly I'm an audio noob. So uh, they, so I think it really takes some like thinking about like, what is it that I could do to make this engaging and so sometimes I just think about like things that are fun or like I'll come up with the game before I figure out how to connect it. Or I think about like um, this year, like my at Christmas or Thanksgiving, my family is playing a game called reverse trades, which was there are several people on a team. And instead of one person performing for the many, the many perform for the few. And so these five people are given a clue like hammock or baseball game or rock band and they have to perform something to make this person uh figure out what it is that they're they're trying to to act out so i really like that and i thought well how could i use this in my classroom because i'm always looking at everything like literally everything as to how can i use this in my class and so we did it for well, when i taught inferences it was uh these folks were making inferences that made this person figure out what they were trying to do or um, I was thinking of Pictionary the other day, and so we used we did a, a version of Pictionary in my classroom to do the to do vocab word reviews the other day, and so that's always um, there's a lot of distractions going on. Why is Yon calling me right now? You know, go come on, girl, you're not watching me on YouTube. Um, so they, uh, it's that kind of thing where like I, I'm always kind of being mindful of that. Now that being said. Sometimes things like state tests, right, always pop out to me as that, something that's not fun. It's not exciting. But how can I make the experience of what we're doing a little bit better than the way that it sucks? And so I just I find ways to do that. Like I read the directions in a fun way. I read parts of them really fast. So I might read them like um, – like they are extra holy or like with a country accent, be like, all right, everybody, are you ready? I'm about to read these directions. And then um, parts of them I read, like if it's the same thing over and over and over again, I'll read it like it's the end of an ad. Like like when at the end of an ad where someone says like, offer not available in Puerto Rico, Mexico. So I'll read like, I'll read through them really quickly in certain parts. And so what you're doing is taking like anything in your life can be boring. But if you do it with the right person, it makes it less uh, difficult to get through. And so that's what I, that's my responsibility. But I have to get the kids to buy into what I'm doing. And so that sometimes takes like, look, this should suck. Or when they give me the room for testing, this is a conversation I just had with a friend the other night. I get the room in testing a lot of times with all the kids that can't behave themselves. 
And so what some people call like all the bad kids in a room, right? And they're not really bad. And that leads to my point. When I do, I go, can we please just look around here? Like, you know what room you're in. You know why they put you in here with me. But here's my thing is that this is supposed to suck. What if we had the best time that anybody had in any testing? What if we got done before everyone else? What if we didn't fall asleep? What if we didn't fall to the ideas of what you guys at least think the rest of the school thinks of you? Because I don't think the rest of the school thinks that they're bad. I don't think the, my school like necessarily thinks that they're anything about them. But if that's what the students believe about themselves, like, you know why you're in here. What if we did something spectacular in here instead? And I think that that's where you go to. I think you go from the the idea where you are you're not framing it any differently and you're not letting them know that this isn't going to be fun, but it's like, this is supposed to suck. What if we made it awesome or how could we make it awesome? I think that's, that's, it's that simple. It's having that conversation, letting kids know like this is supposed to be terrible, but I'm trying to do it this way. Can you go with me on this? And some kids will say yes. And some kids will say no. And you just do the best that you can with that. So that that's what I'm thinking of. Um, Brianna is asking, what piece of advice would you give someone who's just starting a new degree for teaching? Uh, let me think of, I, I give this piece of advice a lot. I'm trying to think of something that I don't say often. I would say this, start collecting as many ideas that you think are awesome as you can. So I don't, I think that in college, I like this was like pre Pinterest and stuff. We had to make binders that were called idea books and we just collected, it was like a scrapbook of ideas. So like one of my favorite things in the show Mad Men is even if you haven't watched it, Don Draper, who is an ad executive, he's always creating like um, ads for different companies. He will read magazines and then he's always ripping out ads that he likes or, or and to, to kind of like fuel his, his fire. I think if you're looking at everything, everything in your life as a potential lesson, a potential aid in a lesson. So whether that's the movies that you're watching, the TV shows that you're watching, the fact that we just watched, we were watching Seinfeld clips because I mentioned something to my wife and then she's like, you have to watch the Seinfeld clip. So we put it on real quick. If I think about something I heard in church, something I read in a book, I'm always thinking about how would this fit in the school? How would this fit in the school? And so look at things like that and then don't trust your memory because your memory will fail you. Write it down, keep it in a notebook, have a, a Pinterest for it, like something where you're collecting ideas and that is a muscle, right? Like most other things, if you work that muscle, you will come up, I come up with ideas. It is one of my strong suits in teaching is like, you know, writing lesson plans and answering emails and getting back to people and fulfilling my response, my professional responsibilities is not one of my things I'm very <laughs> good at. Um, but making things interesting, or at least coming up with the idea for the interesting thing is something that I'm good at. But it's only because um, part of that is I mean, that's part of my gift. But like, another part of it is, is that that's a muscle I exercise often. So that's, that's how I do it. Uh, John Lopez, my buddy is asking him, how is the, oh, I, dude, I have not had it yet. And I'm going to tell you why, because I'm putting it on the pedestal a little bit, right? Like I like have, I'm like, I want the experience. And I, so I am like, 
I need to just do it. It's like when we have like it's, it's like it's this. Gone, then it's gone. It's right? like it's this gone. bottle of wine that has a hair tie. That has a hair tie on. <laughs> um, I bought this bottle of wine when we were in Napa, and it is so good that like I don't I don't want to drink it. I just leave it there and pet it sometimes. And it's a good reminder. It's, I, we just it's look a, at it and it reminds me of our trip. And it was that such day, a good trip. And it was such a fun, that was such a fun day. I don't know how people live in Napa. I feel like 99% of the population is drunk while they're driving. So it sounds a little scary, right? All the it wine is. tastings and everyone's I, driving. It's but slow. Tasting, they're just going tasting. slow. Everyone's going real slow. Mm. Uh, they should just have like those collators like they have in. No, we airport. need to bust out the hot chocolate though, because it's really cold. And yeah. that would. I will I'm, ask me next week, John. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have enjoyed it by then. Uh, Megan is asking, "What do you do if there is zero communication between sped and gen ed teachers?" I'm gonna tell you exactly what to do. Uh, I'm a student teacher, and there has there's been issues getting IEPs, and one sped teacher hates me and won't give them to. <laughs> Can we first? What's her name? Megan. Megan. Um, Megan, can we first just note the fact that how ridiculous that is that someone would not give you the proper paperwork for a student because this is what that's what she's saying. I know, correct? but the, the part that is like crazy about that literally, uh, we were just talking about this like it was a lot um, in the teacher talk group. A lot of people were saying when you asked for <clears throat> video ideas, like people were saying the connection between sped like sped wants general ed teachers to like love them and you know respect them and work together better it's yeah. never usually the opposite a gen ed teacher wanting more help from the sped teacher yeah because i feel like Not most that I, at least I, every i mean look this is an overgeneralization but i i'd be willing to say that everyone that teaches special education is someone that has a heart for it for a reason. Right. I feel like all those people have a story where they're like, it was my brother, my cousin, my nephew, like someone I know in my life right. had special education needs and I want to be there for students like that. Like that's where that, that heart comes from. So the idea that someone would want to withhold something, um, I would, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm real, I'm a big believer in like just cutting the shit and saying like, go, to their superior, like, or ask them about it. Or I think if you, so look, I'm trying to use this piece of advice wisely. Um, I think it's interesting when someone doesn't like me because then I have to figure out for the benefit, like, I'll, it's like, I'll play the game. Like, I, I, like, I'll play the game of like, how do I get along with you so I can get what I want or get what students need? And that's a game that you have to play in education sometimes. I don't think that it's you being fake or you not being the true you, but like it is all about you figuring out ways to play the game so that you can get what you need to get. And if that is for the students, then so then that's even further your cause. So it's like connecting with them and saying like, I'm really sorry that I've been a pain or like, I'm sorry. Like, and look, I think saying sorry to someone does not admit defeat. I think that what you're doing is opening up the lines of communication and making them feel safe so that you can then have this conversation. And and I'm not, and like, whether you like me or not is not really important to me. Um, 
but I, I what I want to communicate with you is you can go by if you just walk by. It's fine. Um, if you want to get what you need to get, then saying like, Hey, I'm really sorry. Like if we've gotten off on the wrong foot and like, if you like, I, I, but I really need this. And like, if you could help me figure out the best way to like communicate with you or the best way to help the student, like, I really appreciate your expertise. So what you're doing there is you're honoring someone else's know-how. Now, look, if you go to someone and they still don't do it, then I say, just go to their superior and say, I need this. I'm not sure if I'm going about it the right way, but this is what I'm being met with. And I'm not sure how to navigate that situation. And that's what I would tell someone. I I don't, I don't like, uh, for me, it's about the kids. It's not about like whether or not some other teacher likes me. Um, And that's hard for me to say too, because I really, really like, so like at the same time, like I don't care what anyone thinks, but then there are times when like, I really, really care because it's, I don't know, it's a character flaw or something. So um, that that's what I would do is like, is, is to do that because you have to be working with special education teachers because it is what the students need. And we often do not have the specialty, like the, the training to be able to do all the things that special ed students need. Um, so we need help and we're supposed to be working as a community. So the fact that that's even happening to you, I just want to note that that's ridiculous um, so that you just don't feel like you're a crazy person or something like that. Um, look, if that doesn't work out, just uh, hit me up and let me know and, and I can try and help you navigate that situation. So <laughs> I'm going to get this name wrong. Um, sh- oh, Straw Hat Zulfi. Duh. Got it. I thought that was a one word wasn't sure what was going on there i'm a second year teacher and i'm having thoughts of quitting do things get better sometimes um so let me say this i think it look there's a million questions here right like why are you thinking of quitting what kind of school are you at what what how supported do you feel at your school um Second year, there were times when I just didn't know what I was doing. Now, I'll say this. There were times when I hated my job, when no one was doing their work, when kids were trying to literally sabotage my lessons by like not bringing their book to class. So back then, I had everyone had a textbook and everyone had to bring it to class. And then when they would forget it, then we, we couldn't do what we needed to do. But then I found that the kids were reminding one another not to bring their books so that they, we couldn't do the thing in class. That being said... Um, I just went out for drinks with a kid that I taught in my second year of teaching. And he, we had this really great conversation and become like, he became like a really excellent human being. So it's like about, you know, sometimes I just think like we put too much pressure on ourselves as to what we think we should be doing or where we think we should be. We're in your second year of anything else of marriage, of having a kid, of playing piano, of whatever, you would not be at an exalted level that a lot of us think we should be at when we start teaching. So that that's just interesting to me. I think, I really think that this is the bottom line is what is, oh gosh. So look, let me, let me say this. So I'm trying to think of like seven different things at once. Um, you are what you're doing in class is often a direct result of how you feel about yourself and what's going on outside of school. 
So is there something else there that is stopping you from being the teacher that you know you could be? And so I think that's worth some thought also often. Like I know when I am not feeling at my best in my personal life, my school life suffers. And so when I'm at my best in my personal life, um, nothing can really phase me in school. Like I, like I can't, nothing bothers me as much in school when it's, when it's happening. So um, be mindful of that too. I think I was very distracted by your side conversation. And so that was, it might've messed up my answer a little bit. I hope that was, I hope that was good. Um, Email him if he messed up your answer. uh, Maisha (laughs) is asking question. How do you handle parents who repeatedly email you questions about your policies and are still confused despite your professional reply? Um, that's a great question. What do you do about parents that just email too much in general? Um, I would say, I would do this. I think part of it is reaching out to other teachers who they are dealing with those parents as well and see if they are dealing with the same thing and maybe how are they answering some of those questions as well. Um, if so, it might be interesting to just either do a call or have that parent come up for a meeting um, and involve those other teachers as well. So like sometimes at our school, we have, so we have progress report night and progress report night is, uh, you know, the report that comes out between the beginning of the trimester and end of the trimester. And it's like letting parents know how things are going in the middle of the school year. When that happens, there are some parents that instead of them going around and meeting with all the teachers, because all the teachers are going to say kind of the same thing, we just sit down and meet with them as a group. And it's a way for parents to sort of figure out what's missing, what classes are things going well in, and then let's hear from those teachers. What classes are, are, is there, are there a real struggle for their students and why? And it in that meeting, the teachers also get a sense of like, oh, okay, like we're all kind of dealing with the same thing So how can we work as a collective to help the students succeed in this moment? So whether that's they're not doing homework, they're not writing down homework, they're not participating in class, they're late every single day. Like, so it's not just catching kids and saying like, oh, you're late every single day to class. Like, this is what's going to happen if you're late to all of our classes. It's like, okay, so like getting the class is an issue. Let's note it. Now let's figure out what kind of incentive is going to be there if you're on time or like what sort of penalty is going to be there if you're late more than this many times. So like you're trying to work with students and families to, to communicate what needs to happen next. But I think that that starts with communicating with your staff so that you have a sense of like whether or not like, are you being targeted or is this something else? If the parent comes in to meet with you, I very rarely meet with a parent all by myself. I usually have uh, my, my Dean, Miss Cho is with me also. So we can sit down and there's someone who is sort of outside of the situation looking in and listening to the both of us. So it's not just the both of us sort of like having a conversation, but it's this extra person who can see things a little bit more objectively. And that helps as well. Uh, Jacqueline is asking advice for building relationships with students who do not seem interested in forming relationships. So I think some kids don't want relationships. And that's all right. Like, I, I don't think that we need to, to, to push those students into having relationships. And, and this is why I've had students in the past that are really like they are loved by their mom and dad. They have a great life. 
things seem to be cool and they don't need a relationship with me. They don't need to be like talking with me every single day or telling me what's going on or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think if you wanted to push that and make sure that it was there anyway, like there, there are some students that like, I just want to talk to, I find out things that they're interested in and then I ask them questions about it. So I might ask kids questions like if I find someone's really interested in a particular sports team or a TV show, like I investigate a little bit or I, or I get a feel for what you're interested in and I'll say, yo, did you see this? Or like, can you tell, like I've, so like, I know a little bit about MMA, but like what happened in the Conor McGregor fight the other night? Like what, like why did that end so quickly? If this guy was, if Cowboys was supposed to be so tough, like having those conversations with students that is what's going to build relationship, right? Just think about it like any other relationship in your life. When you meet someone and you have something in common or when you give that person something to talk about, so I, that builds relationships. Also, when you don't just talk about you, but you ask questions about them and now someone can speak to something that they know about, that they're the professional and that they are they, they know the most about, I just think that that's a really great move and and that's that really helps as well what if they're a student that doesn't have the good home life but they're just obstinate to making i think those students are trying to protect themselves from further heartbreak so how do you break um i think that you are consistently uh visible so you like make sure that kid sees you a lot and then just be relentless in your conversation with them okay so i have students that are like that that like I, I know they would benefit from a good relationship, but they just don't want to talk to me. And I bother them all the time. Like I will just give them hugs every day. I put stickers on them. I put eyeball stickers on them and say, got my eye on you, bro. Um, I will ask them to come to lunch. And so like, or there's kids that don't want a relationship, but they will say mean stuff to you or annoying stuff to you every single day, because that's like the closest they can be. Right. So I have a kid at school and like um, I doubt he watches this. So I'm going to talk about him anyway, um, who calls me a turkey every day and just looks at me like I'm despicable. You're a turkey, Reynolds. Bro, don't shut up, turkey. That's what he says to me when he walks down the hallway. And I always go, bro, everybody loves turkey. There's even a whole friggin' holiday based around it. And he goes, kids have been I go, kids been drawing me since they were little. And so I just have all these dumb turkey jokes that come back and then. I, I just, I know that he wants that, but he can't handle it. And I just see that over and over and over again. So what you're doing is keeping that link, even if it's a tumultuous one, because eventually one day they might reach out and actually ask you for help. And look, that might not even be why they're in school anymore. It could be after they graduated. It could be five, 10 years later, someone hits you up and says, Mr. Reynolds, I have a question. Would you mind, you know, going to coffee with me? And it's like, yep, hundred percent, bro. And that's happened to me more times than I could tell you. Jacob Ingram is asking, uh, any tips on handling an uninvolved mentor? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uninvolved mentor teacher. I'm a first, I'm a first year and I have rarely seen her. I usually go to another teacher with questions to figure it out on my own. Jacob, I would say that my first year I had a mentor teacher. They didn't come in until, I don't know, November was the first time. Came in one time. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And saw me teach. I asked a bunch of questions. They didn't have a bunch of answers. And then that was the last time I saw them ever. 
ever, 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 ever. Um, I did find out years later when I quit going to that, when I quit teaching at that school, that's when I moved to West Philly, that that teacher was always in meetings talking trash on me all the time because they had to have like one teacher in the any of the um, the board meetings. And so he was on the board and or he was the teacher that was on the board. And then they had like or he was admin that was on the board. And then there was a teacher on the board also. And he was like, dude, that guy talks trash about you the whole time. And I'm like, oh, well, that's hurts my feelings. Uh, so I, I would say, look, here's you know what you know what I would really ask. Would your school because those people get paid money, right? They usually get paid like my guy got paid like twenty five hundred dollars that I that came out of my paycheck. Jacob, I would ask your school if I could mentor you and if they would pay me and I'll do it for less money than they're paying. So ask them that and they can go over it on my website and they can just pay it through there and I will send them a receipt and we can, that's what I would do. Because look, you're not going to make anyone come in and maybe you're better off. Maybe they aren't that special of a person to have come in anyway. Like maybe they're not even going to be useful to you, but uh yeah, if it's not going to hurt you, then I just wouldn't even do it. And then I would just keep showing up here and showing up on the Facebook group and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that sucks, man. I'm sorry. And I hate when that happens to people. Yeah, there was another one. Deanna Owens is saying a male student is harassing a female student in my class. I have spoken to counselor promoted to a oh, promoted to AP as a Friday. Nothing has happened. Thoughts. Gosh. I would tell more people, look, I, I think when, when certain things are happening, right, a student says something about ha committing suicide, about being abused, they are harassing someone else, you feel like someone's getting picked on, you feel like someone's getting abused at home. There is, there's what we're supposed to do, but that sometimes falls short of what should be done. And so I would say, tell everyone you can tell, like, and see what you're supposed to do, like, and and let them know the other people that you told. But like, the, we had a situation in, in school once where um, I knew something wrong was going on. And so I communicated to like four different people. It was like my department head, human resources, the, we have a CEO of our school, not a superintendent. So it's like, the, that's the top dog and the principal. I told all Four of those people, I had to look at my fingers because I was not counting. Um, all four of those people, because I I think that needs to be handled. And then follow up with them and say, hey, I'm just wondering how this is working out. Like they won't tell you specifics as to like whether they like in any of that stuff. So if someone calls DIFUS, if they reach out to the parents, if they get the kid in counseling, like I don't know that they're legally obligated or 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 can even tell you about anything, but I would just reach out and say, like, hey, I'm just checking in to, to see whatever happened with this because um, it's just been on my mind and on my heart. And so, like, I'd like to just know. And that's a good way to remind it. It's not like it's not like you're saying, like, what did you do? Like, did you, did you do the right thing? I, I, it doesn't look like you're doing anything. It's just like asking for a gentle reminder because you care. And if you feel like nothing's happening there, I would 100% let somebody else know because sometimes it takes the right person to know what to do to get something done. Uh, and then just keep checking in with that female student is what I would do is just making sure that they are feeling supported and okay. And that something's, you know, something's happening. And if it's not like, what can you do to kind of get in the way of that harassment? Like, so where is it happening? When is it happening? And can you be in that space and time to, 
um, to just be a presence. Uh, Maver, Maver, I'm going to say your name wrong. You know why? Because I suck at saying people's names. I deeply apologize because your name deserves more than that. Question is, having a hard time connecting with coworkers at my new teaching position. I feel like it might be because I'm 24 and the youngest there by 10 years. Any advice of how to build these relationships? Um, that is tough. Look, I mean, I was the oldest teacher at my school for a long time. And, <laughs> and so when everyone else is 23 and they're like going to the bar and then I'm the old guy when we go to the bar, I'm the, I'm the 43 year old old dude that crozes in and it looks like someone's dad came to pick him up. Um, how do you do that? I think sometimes it just takes time. And I think that that is, it, because you know the their life is is different than what your life is. Uh, how would you? Oh, I'm sorry, I was reading. How would you do that? I'm trying to think of a, like an interesting way. To, how do you do when you're 24 years old and everyone else is like the next closest to you is 34? I think it's going in really humble and using your age is kind of like almost leverage to gain wisdom from That's experienced teachers. Like even if you don't really if, want it, right, even, even if it's not if real, you don't like it's, I hate to say it, it's like almost stroking someone's ego, like yep. in a way. And that's a connection point to get you in. And then from there you, I don't know, can share your knowledge or personal stuff or like whatever, however you want to go about connecting. But I think that's a good way in. Yes. That that's a perfect answer. piece of information. Oh, thank you. Good work. Uh, yeah, that's what we do. And then look, time is going to be the thing that builds relationships. So, and, and look, sometimes it's like, it's tough because I know there have been times in my school where I didn't feel like I connected with anyone. Like the first year that I taught in West Philly, I was in the basement in a room with no windows and I never had a reason to go upstairs. And so I just felt disconnected to everyone. And I was like, you know, this complexion that I am now, which is like a shade away from cream corn or Vaseline. Um, so it's, it's tough, but I, I've, you know, I try with who I can try with. And then I just move on to somebody else. Like if that person seems like they don't want to take the bait to be my friend, and then I just move on. So okay. I hear what you're saying though. And it, it is very difficult to do that, but I think you're right. Stroking someone's ego and asking them like, Hey, can I sit in on your class? And then like afterwards saying like, Hey, I really loved that you did this, this, or right. this. Like, can you tell me like, how'd you come up with that idea, idea or like whatever, whatever, whatever. And then that's going to be a connection point with that person. Yeah. And then that gives you a place to go back and say, Hey, I want you to know that I took your advice and I did this in my class and this is how it worked out. Or if you have follow-up questions, now you're building that kind of rapport. Now, if they're not very good teachers, I kind of don't know what to tell you. About yeah. That one. Then they Maybe don't hang out with them anymore. because you don't want to hang out with them anyway. Yeah. Uh, Ray is saying, I'm from Arizona. That's oh, literally the one that you put no, up there. It's, <laughs> no, they were saying, Hi, Ray. That, no. <laughs> Beth Becker said, I'm in Arizona and have the day off. And someone else said that Rosa Parks and Loretta Scott King went to Arizona to help change that in the 1990s. So, so I'm, I've literally, I'm literally giving it pieces of information that, man, I'm really out of it. <laughs> I, I have not been, something. I have not thing. been updated since the 1990s. That's well, what's happening. You learned something. Okay. Now I have to find an actual question. Here okay. we go. I thought that was important. I'm from Arizona. <laughs> I'm 
Sorry. <laughs> Ray, today I wish I was from Arizona. It's like 19 degrees outside. Oh, hey, Google, what's the temperature outside? In Gloucester City right now, it's 34. 34 degrees. 24 with the wind. It's still not as bad as other places. We're just wimpy. Yeah. We are not winter people no. like you and I. We were built for California. We were. You wanted to live in New Jersey. I didn't want to live here. You 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 cried. I just made that. All right, I made that part up that you didn't cry. Um, Taylor is saying, "How do I reach all levels of my students? I have students who should be in AP or DE classes, and students who are very very low. I have twelfth grade Britlet uh, for internship this semester. Um, it's really difficult. I, 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 like I just want to note that like you are right. Can you get the kids that are the higher level students moved out? So in our school." That's how we rock it. We just do like, um, you can say that you want them kind of moved up. You speak with their parents, you speak with the school, and they are moved into another level and and vice versa. Like students that I think should be like in a small group setting, I can put in paperwork for them to be moved to a small group setting or talk to the right person to have that happen. And that really helps. Other than that, I think it's I found that doing group work works the best. So I'll put like a really strong reader, a really weak reader, and someone in between in a group together. And I pick the groups. They don't pick the groups. And I'll do like literature circles or something like that. And, and I think you could do that with pretty much any class. Um, or you are just making sure that you're differentiating the instruction anyway. So you are dialing into people's strengths. So whether someone is – so like look – a couple of years ago, I had a student that, man, he was really low level. And I think he was dyslexic and never um, diagnosed. And it was just, it was an issue that wasn't going to be, even if he was identified, it wasn't going to be a quick fix. So plus when you're in high school and you get identified with dyslexia, there's not a whole lot they can do for you because you've already learned how to, how you are going to navigate reading anyway. So anyway, um, I knew that he really loved film editing. So instead of, so when I made projects, that was something I always put in there. It was like, you could make a movie about this. You could make a short scene about it. You could make a movie trailer about it. You could. So there was something else he could do that still encapsulated all the things I needed to know, but in, but in a way that made it enticing for him to do it. And what that does is sometimes those AP kids are straight by the book kids. They're the ones that can just remember facts and figures and, and processes in class. And so they can regurgitate things on a test very well. The kids that struggle can't do that because that is not their strong suit. So you are, by differentiating it in that way and making these sort of projects, a lot of times I found that that would piss off the kids that were good at traditional learning. And they'd say, well, I don't, I don't want to I don't want to make a mask. I don't want to make a poster. I don't want to do a presentation. I don't want to do this. Like I'm good at this. And it's like, well, that's what differentiation does is it makes it now the person that was down here, you've switched spaces and you are in the place where they are kind of the master and you are the apprentice. And that's a really good space to have kids is because you're playing to their strengths and trying to, because I think a lot of what education is, is when you don't feel confident you don't raise your hand. You don't share a thought. You're not doing, you're not going to try harder because you just feel like a dummy. But when you feel like you are in the know, like you're the professional, like you are the one that understands this thing more than everyone else, that's that's the strong suit. So how can you 
how can you figure your class out so that you are letting people feel like they are champions when their whole life they felt like less than everyone else. And that, I think that's how you start thinking about that. Um, but that takes getting to know your students and, and trying to figure out who they are. And then, um, like I said, I think the group work piece has worked really, really well for me in the past, because then when you're reading through something, the strong reader is reading the other kids following along, but then they have it. They, those other two students have jobs as well. So maybe they're recording things, writing things down, taking note, analyzing, annotating, whatever it is that they're doing, they have something that they can do as well, but they're not required to just read aloud, which look, even as someone I can, I'm completely competent at reading. I suck at reading aloud. Even if I'm reading something to my wife, I like mess it up a hundred times and I get flubbed and I feel like an idiot, but I just know that I just don't read well aloud. So I, I you know, I feel like a lot of kids probably feel that way. And so you're giving them an out in that sense. Um, Caitlin is asking thoughts on monitoring technology like Chromebooks when you're at school without a monitoring software. Um, I stand in the back of the classroom all the time. I teach from the back of the classroom often. So like everyone's facing the whiteboard, which is in the front or the projector, which is in the front. And I don't just walk down the aisles because my, my students are tall and my classroom is kind of, it looks big online, but it's not really that large. Um, so they're, big long legs are hanging out and it looks like a, it looks like a nightmare or they have like 50. I don't know why everybody has a book bag. It's like everyone's book bag has a book bag. So they have these book bags in the aisles and it's just, it's, it's too much to navigate. I won't even say it's aggravating. It's just too much to navigate and they can't put their book bag anywhere else. So it's not like it fits under their desk because everybody under their desk has that weird like shelf to put books on that no one really uses. I don't know why that thing exists. Um, so I'll teach from the back of the room and then I can see what everyone has going on. And that really helps as well. And then I tell them like, look, if, I, if you're watching basketball highlights, like you're losing points on the project because you're not on, I was going to say on point, but that's, that was too many, that was too much points going on, but essentially that's what it is. I will like, or you lose your privilege and now you have to write it or you have to do something else. Like I, I try and help them navigate that, but I, but the other way that I do that is by giving short windows of time to actually complete something. So a lot of kids don't, if you have a project that lasts five days, how many students do you have that started on the last day and they were chilling for the first four? It's because they think they can get it done in that amount of time. So there's a couple of things you can do. Incentivize getting done early. So, hey, look, if you're done by, if it's Monday and you're done by Wednesday, you will get this many extra points. If you're done by Thursday, you get this many extra points. If you're done by Friday, it's the regular amount of points. And so you're incentivizing kids getting done early or um, giving kids like only chunks of time in class to be on computer. So, all right, today for this part, you only have 15 minutes. So you're going to log in. You have 15 minutes to get from here to here and let me know if you need any help. So then it's not like the whole period and you're not just chilling and kicking back. You're actually feeling like there's some urgency to what you need to be doing um, and keep a timer on the board or just give like updates on how much time is left or something like that. And that's a good way to kind of handle that as well. Uh, Julia is asking, have you ever felt, have you ever held a certification in another state? How did you switch to PA? So I, did I was in New Jersey and then I switched to PA. PA was easy. New Jersey was like you send it to Trenton and it's like the the abyss. It's like throwing a bottle into the ocean and hoping someone gets your message. Um, whereas PA, 
I got it in no time and I felt like it was very, very easy. So some states just, it's easier than There's nothing others. easy in New Jersey when it comes to like anything stuff. Yeah. Nothing. But PA seems to be super simple and streamlined. Even if you go to Camden and go to the, the board office down there, it's like, even, you know what? If you go there and you look at the windows from outside, it's literally stacks of papers and the shades are hanging. It just looks like there's no organization nightmare. in New Jersey no. for anything. I mean, even like, well, you know, like special ed cases, like for law, like when we were looking into like suing our school district for our son, they, New Jersey is such a mess and all cases are together from malpractice to special ed, which why it takes like it does. five to 10 years to sue a school district. Yeah. It's like, it's like trying to deal with a junk drawer. Really? It's, it's like, awful. there's all kinds of stuff in there. Um, Amanda is asking, Amanda Renee is asking, any advice about having a student teacher in your room for the first time after teaching for 14 years? I have been asked to host student teachers so many times, and my inability to let other people control things is what stops me from doing that. Because you have to relinquish complete control. I, I would say to think back about your own student teaching experience and what you liked and disliked about that. And I would go off of that. So my student teaching experience was the absolute greatest experience I ever could have hoped for. The gentleman that I did my student teaching with was the guy that I did my practicum with. So I used to go in once or twice a week, sit in the back of his room. I had to teach one lesson um, and that was it. And afterwards I wrote him a he loved the letter and he reached out to my college and said, Hey, I want to have the guy come back for student teaching next semester. Um, which the school couldn't even believe. They said no one's ever done that in the history of anyone they've ever worked with. Like called up and recommend and asked for for someone based on the practicum that they did, not even like the fact that I like I didn't know him or something. It wasn't a family member or something like that. So he then we went out. I didn't start student teaching until September. We went out in June and he met up with me, bought me dinner and brought me everything that I would need to know for the course of time that I was going to be with him and said, like, read through this. These are the books that you're going to be reading in class, which it was two different. It was Scarlet Letter and The Crucible. He's like, read these ahead of time. We're going to be doing persuasive essay. We're going to do, be doing Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. Um, and we worked through the summer to get ready for student teaching. And then I student taught, but I was student, I was teaching by the second day I was in the classroom. I took over two classes immediately. And by the end of the first or second week, I was teaching five classes a day. And then he would sit in the back and he would just take notes. And then we would have these real honest conversations about like, this is what you're not doing right. This is what you're doing great. This is like what you need to be doing better. And then um, even all the soft skills of like, when you leave at the end of the day, make sure that your classroom is clean, make sure that your board is wiped, make sure that you have everything written for the next day. Like so much of what I became as a teacher, I got through student teaching, like an unbelievable, unbelievable amount of the things that I do now from the way that I do my seating chart to the way my seating chart set up to the way that I do attendance, to the way that I, um, deal with parents on online, like all this stuff is all stuff that I learned from Mr. Z at uh, Winslow Township High School. And so just be mindful of that. So like, I would just think about like, how are you going to communicate with that person and help them grow? Um, I think it's a great idea. It's a great experience, especially if they're the right teacher for that person. Um, but I would 
that that's how I would I would think back to like these are all the things Mr. Z did with me, and now I want to gift someone else with this opportunity as well. It's pretty much the same. The next question. Okay, so Kari 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 is asking. I have a student teacher this semester. It's the first time I've had one. What are some things that your mentor teacher can do to really help their student teacher? I think being brutally honest with people. I think that if you try to protect them like from the reality of the situation and tell them that their lesson was good when it wasn't that good, to tell them that they are working hard or doing a good job or whatever, I think that you are hurting them if it's not the right thing because look, the school they go to will not protect them. The parents will still be the parents. The students will still be the students. And if you're not getting them ready for what's coming up, then it's going to hurt them. So I think that's being really honest. And I think encouraging student teachers to get involved in many more things than just teaching. Like, can is there like when they need chaperones, when they need someone to stay after school, when there's odd jobs to be done, like when there's extra stuff to do, get involved in as much stuff as you can, because you need to really feel that load of being a teacher and also see how else like you might be able to connect with students and what you might be able to do as a teacher. Once you have your own classroom and like know that, like I would have never, I think because I did the drama department, which I was, I was in a play. Oh, yeah, yeah. The last play I was in was in the sixth grade at the Morristown Mall. <laughs> I played Buzz and Computerized Christmas, if uh, anyone out there remembers that. Um, and then because Mr. Z was a part of the drama department and building the sets, that gave me the courage to do. I built all the sets for my school for years. And we made like, wait, be, wait and because minute. his. Did you just say you? No, we. Okay. Yeah. We like. Yeah, could, we. Well, I built them. Weekends. You just stood in the back and said, "Get the hell out of here." That's crooked. No, <laughs> we should do. Just take it down. Let's redo the whole thing. And I'd be like, "No." But our sets were really ambitious all the time, and I think they were because Mr. Z's sets were always like next level. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what you got, dude? There you go. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Good. My headache's gone. Hooray. That's that's good to know. I know. We're having a good day. Keep going. I just wanted to I just wanted to stop for this commercial break and give you some love. It's Thank a love you. love break right now. <laughs> um, look, also I'm just thinking too because all these people weren't on here before when I said it. Uh, if you go over to Instagram today, I put the cover for the book up on Instagram, and I'm really excited about it. My favorite um, graffiti artist from Philly did my cover for my book. It is the finalized version of what will actually be on the book, and I've gotten a lot of really nice comments. So if you're one of those people, I appreciate it, but. Um, just because people ask about it all the time, I just wanted to let you know. The book cover is longer on Instagram. Go wrap with violence. That's it. Next question, please. Is Anna. Anna Anna Pappas. That's not like a great name. Pappas. It's just an essay. Pappas. <laughs> if I was friends with someone, I don't think I would call them by their first name. I'm just like Pappas. Oh, for sure. It'll be great. Um, can't stay. So question. I work. Oh, wait. So did you leave Anna? Anna left. And now you're listening to this during the rebroadcast, which that's fine. Um, I work at a charter school for arts and students tend to enroll in and out of the school with ease. Do you experience the same thing at your school? Uh, commenters, welcome to join in. Awesome. So if anyone has a comment for Anna, like how do you deal with kids going in and out of your school? So no, at this school, but yes, at my former school. So we are my, our students have to take four years of Latin, right? Which everyone's real excited about <laughs> in a way that just makes them look not excited. If you 
you can't come into my school after freshman year unless you've had Latin before, because otherwise you have to catch up on a whole year of Latin. Oh, that's that's why our senior classes are so much smaller than our freshman classes. Oh, um, so at my previous school, though, that did happen where kids would come in and out like fairly easily. And yeah, and I, it's it's just annoying because it, it's annoying because you might create a culture or a climate or a vibe in your classroom. And then when someone new comes in, it kind of messes that up. And sometimes for the, to the detriment of the class or everyone was feeling at home and like a, like a, like a group that connected. And what do you do when someone new comes in and kind of messes up that vibe? So here's what I do. Every time a kid, new kid comes in, <clears throat> I make sure I pull them aside and I say, look, you literally have lucked out. First of all, I'm the best teacher that you're going to have all year. I don't even know if that's true, but I tell every single kid that anyway. I'm the best teacher you're going to have all year. Plus, this is like literally the greatest class. So kind of sit back, get a feel for what's going on here, enter in as, as, as much as you want. Also know this, that I want you to succeed more than anything else in the world. So I want you to know that I'm here before school, after school, during lunch, every single day. You have a problem with anything. From your locker not opening to someone, you don't know what time, like the bathroom is locked and you can't get in or um, you don't know what the homework is or you don't like your math teacher, whatever it is, come see me. I'll help you with anything because I only ever want you to be successful and I do anything for you. Do you understand? And they say yes. And then we move on with our life. And then I make sure that I catch up with that student so that they are feeling like a part of the group quicker. And I'm sort of expediting that process um, so that they're not waiting to become part of the class. I'm like trying to help them to fast track them into being part of our class so our class can still be awesome. And that happens too. Like, even if you have a kid, like switch periods, I always tell them the new period that they're in is like, look, I know you just got moved in this period, but look, literally this period's the best. And I tell them, I tell every student that about every single class and that works. Uh, Julia is asking, do you have any tips for getting a teaching job specifically in PA? Um, I, I think I, I don't. Um, my, I don't have any, like, this is how you get a job in PA except this. Um, I would say one, if you go to teaching fairs and stuff like that, or like you go to like one of these rooms where there's like a whole bunch of schools in a room and they all have tables and you have to go up and talk to them and do like a little pre-interview thing. Um, if I was there before I went up and spoke to anyone, I would look them up online. I do this at conferences all the time where I pre-game, I find out who's going to be there and who's speaking. And then I look up things about them. And then my wife makes me a cheat sheet on my phone. So when I was just in Ohio a few months ago for a conference, there was all these people that I wanted to meet, but I knew I couldn't remember their names or who they were, they worked or what they did. So my wife made me Google slides of all of them with the hits. Like what book did you write? Where do you teach? What do you do? That kind of thing. Is there anything else notable that I should know about you? So then before I see like, Oh, there's my man, Brad. Uh, look up. I am telling the secrets. It's a great tip. Um, you look up Brad and then you go, okay, Brad is assistant superintendent. This is what he does. This is where he teaches. This is the experience that he has. Yo, Brad, what's up, man? Yeah, you're from this school, right? Bro, love it, man. You're the assistant superintendent, right? And then these people are like, why do you know all this stuff about me? So if I'm going up to a school, it's like, hey, um, West Philly High School, whatever it is. Yo, First of all, you guys won the championship last year for football. Congratulations. That was really amazing. Um, or your robotics team. I just saw it like they were in the paper, like you did this thing and this thing and this thing. Awesome. Um, and then you know something about the school before 
you even go up to them. So it looks like they're not, it's not just another date you're going on. You actually did a deep dive a little bit into who they are. And that could, that could really be like, learn three things about them. Look up on their school website, their school newspaper, their Facebook account, something that they're proud of. They had really high test scores and something recently. And then you're going in with something to shit, to show that you know, and that you care. I think that's a big deal. The other thing with that is, um, I think is all about who do you know? So maybe go on our Facebook page and look, drop something in. Hey, I'm looking for a job in PA. Does anyone know where I should start or where I should look for a job? And there's tons of teachers in there from PA. And I'm sure you would get a lot of really good answers. So if you go to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook, I'm sure if you put that question in there, you get a lot of responses on it and, and some useful help from people um, like Dave Dunsavage. I guarantee you, he will help you out. And you don't even have to know who that is yet, but he will find you because he's like the Santa Claus of the Facebook group. Um, a followers fight. First of all, that's a great name for a YouTube channel. Uh, this is kind of a deep question, but it's but it's life. Awesome. Got it. Um, what would you do if you found out that a student was self-harming or if you caught a student actually self-harming in class? So look, I have um, not in class, but I knew I found out from other students that that was going on. I, the first thing you need to do is tell someone else you are legally liable, liable, like you're legally required to let someone know. So, um, and I do that even if a kid comes to me and says like, I'm thinking about killing myself. I don't want to tell anyone else, but I'm telling you, Mr. Reynolds, like I've thought about, um, I've tried to commit suicide. Or if a student comes to me and says, yo, this is what happened over the weekend. I'm really concerned about someone. I immediately go to our social worker, uh, to the guidance counselor that that kid has, and then tell someone in administration, whether that's like my girl Cho or it's the vice principal or the principal, tell someone because now somebody knows that can actually make things happen in terms of getting that student connected with services or communicating with home or a doctor or whatever it is. The other thing is I – look, this is the – uh, there's a caveat on this one because I don't want to give bad information and I don't, not bad information. I handle things in a way sometimes that I don't necessarily recommend people handle things. And, and by that, I mean, like if I'm thinking of a student that I had years ago and that student was hurting themselves and that student, I found out about that. And I told all the the parties that, that I need to tell, but then I just didn't leave it there. I like made sure I followed up with them. I said like, Hey, how are you? And then you just let them talk. You don't have to have the answer. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Your advice is not as important as your attention, right? So, or rather I always say your attention is far more important than your advice because sometimes people just want you to listen. They don't want your answer. And sometimes there's no answer. Um, but I do let them know, that more than anything, here's what you need to know. And this makes kids very uncomfortable sometimes. And sometimes they won't even talk to you afterwards. But I tell them anyway, because I don't give a shit. Because um, I need you to know. My point is, I care deeply about you. Like more than you could possibly know. And I know that this is hard for you right now. I can't feel your feelings. And I don't know exactly what it feels like for you to go through this. But I need you to know that I care about you. And that if anything ever happened, and you're telling yourself that no one cares and no one will be that hurt, I would care and I would never fully get over it for the rest of my life. I need you to know that. 
And I need you to know that I would do anything for you. And that if you need anything ever, even if it's the middle of the night and you need to email me or communicate with me, however you communicate with your students, that you can do that at any time. That's how important you are to me. <clears throat> and then letting that student know something vulnerable about me. So like when I was 21, my mom got sick and I lost her to cancer. Um, and I was there by her side when she died and I closed her eyes when, when she passed away. And that haunted me for years. And it was really, really difficult for me to get over. And there were times when I thought like, why does this have to be so hard? Like why, like I'd rather, like and, and back then, like I had never even had a drink in my life. Like I didn't drink or do drugs growing up. So, but, and I'm thankful for that because I think I would have tried to numb myself with that. And so I see that need, that want for numbing, for doing something with the pain, but there are other ways to deal with that. And then I would talk to that student about other ways that you can deal with that. Like things like exercise or meditating or journaling. I tell the students that I have something that I call a shit journal. Um, and do you know that I have this? I, do. I have a shit journal and the shit journal is the one that goes with me to the grave. That's not the one that stays behind. And the grandkids are like, Oh, what a grandpa think about back in old 2011. Um, it, that's the one where I'm just like, I just completely vent about anything um, or on piece of paper. I vented, vented about stuff or written letters to people that I was really aggravated with. And then I burn them afterwards. Um, and so letting kids know that there are other alternatives and what some of those are because they might not know. And then letting them know that you, the person they think is perfect, the person they think only ever thinks about English or math or science or algorithms or whatever the hell you're teaching um, goes through things too that are difficult. And I would not be afraid to share that with students as well, because it lets them know that they're, that you're human and that you go through things as well. And I think that's the best thing that you can do for a kid. Um, enter at your own risk though. Like I, that, that all that makes people very uncomfortable sometimes. So I, that's why I say like, I, you might not do, um, the same thing. So that's, that's how I handle it though. Krista is asking question. How do you make your students who identify or are exploring non-binary or anyone else in the LGBTQ plus community feel seen even when they aren't publicly out? Um, Krista, I think, you know, the, the funny thing about teaching is you often know what students orientation is before they do, or you have a sense that there's, that they aren't there yet, but that they will be one day. And so um, I had a student once that loved Beyonce. And I don't think he loved Beyonce because he just thought she was cute. I think he kind of like loved her clothes a lot because he thought she was fabulous and wanted to be Beyonce. And so when that student finally came out, it was like, bro, you took so long. I was about to come out to you about you before you told me because it was like you bedazzle everything in your whole life. And like, I just, and you had eyeliner on and like, like there were things, there were telltale signs that like, um, I, I knew who you were maybe more than you did at that moment. And I saw that you're struggling with it. And I want you to know that I cared about you. Here, here's the point, whatever your kids are into, whatever that is. And so maybe they are part of the LGBTQ community. Maybe they are just feeling really nerdy. Maybe they like, like I have students that like, like really love Nirvana, but they don't um, uh, address that, please. Um, they don't find someone else that they feel connected to. One of the things I do is open up my classroom as a safe space. So I, I actually tell the story in my book where 
um, there were a group of students that were that identified as as gay, and so they would come in after school. Uh, one of those students might have been trans. The, neither here nor there. Um, the the point of the matter is that they would have dance parties in my classroom every single day after school. And so they would put, go in, they put on Gaga. They are um, like, sometimes there was glitter involved. There was always, there were always wigs involved or different clothes. Cause a lot of my students get changed after school. And so like, they'll, or they'll have like different clothes on under their uniform. So they take off their uniform and it's like a hoodie that they've been wearing all day under a dress shirt, which is really uncomfortable. Um, so like that sort of thing happens. And then they would just put on loud music and they would like catwalk all over my room or dance in there. And so every day I go in and I'm like, there's me in the front of the room trying to organize my tests while there's a dance party going on. And one day students came in that were on the football team and they were looking for somewhere to hang after school before their game. And they, I remember them looking at me and then looking at these dudes and looking at me. And there was this kind of this awkward moment between the, the three groups of us and the football guys were like, Reynolds, do you get, you get down with this? And it was like, my answer was something to the effect of like, everyone is welcome in this room. That's how I get down. Um, and I remember that dude, like just looking at me and he was like, all right, word. And then they just came in and like ate their lunch while the dance party was still going on in this corner. And the football dudes were eating lunch in this corner because you, you become known as someone that is accepting of everyone. Like no matter what you're into, as long as it's not offensive or hurtful to other people. So if you're like, you know, the leader of the of the school underground Nazi party, you're clearly not welcome. But I'd still be willing to have the conversation with you about that. And that's a whole other thing. But it's like I, I just think that you make it known that you care about everyone no matter what. And then I think word gets around that that's how you get down. You can go by girls if you need to go by. Don't worry about it. Um Th that's what I would do. Uh, and I have like one of those stickers on my window that lets you know that I'm accepting, but like, I don't think that really does anything. I just tell everybody and I stick up for people like in public and then everybody knows about you. What up there, wifey? Oh, I'm looking. I'm going to drink some water out of this wine glass then. Or we could just have some of this wine that I talked about earlier oh. in the feed. Uh, John Lopez actually recommended a really good wine. I took a screenshot. John Lopez would have a really good wine. <laughs> I took a screenshot of it so we can look. John forward. Lopez knows high-end hot chocolate and fountain pens and wine. And Calligraphy. Yeah. A distinguished I, John man. Lopez, in my head, is like <laughs> Hannibal Lecter without the serial oh. killer part. Mm. Right? No, so like, you know, like the character of Hannibal Lecter was always like so distinguished and like, like can you're you making this it? dark. I can't think of anyone else except for Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> He's the non-killer version of Hannibal Lecter. The John, there's got to be somewhere. John, I'm up. struggling here. I was going to, who else? <laughs> Thurston Howe Third. I don't know anybody else that's like, maybe, oh, he's like like a James Bond character. There you go. All right, is that better than Hannibal <laughs> Sorry, John. I didn't mean to call you a serial killer there. Okay, next question. Next question. Let's move oh, on from God. that. All right, Jake, let's edit that. Uh, so No, I'm just kidding, Jake. Um, Samantha Mann is asking, hi. Hi. Um, I am an ELA fifth grade teacher in Texas and I really like, and I really like this year. Oh, wait, I really, I, I'm so, I, I said, I'm not good at reading aloud and I feel, and I really feel like this is the year that I want to move to high school. Any recommendations for this big jump? Um, I, 
for fifth grade. Jeez, that's a big jump. So I was actually just thinking about, wouldn't it be funny if I taught sixth grade? Because that is the lowest grade I could teach with my certification. And I think it would be really fun and it would be really like a way bigger jump. I think be mindful of the fact that I think the biggest difference between the two grades is um, fifth grade. Some kids still really like school and they're excited about it. You can just go by, babe. It's fine. We live in a house. Um, and some kids, let me ask you a question. Come here, dear. Marley Marie. Yeah. With your cute beanie on. Um, do you still like school when you were like in fourth grade? She's in fourth grade now. When oh. you were in third grade, did in you third, like school? Wait, you're only in fourth grade now? Yes. Oh, I forgot. We homeschool. You in all grades, girl. Um, did, did you like school last year? Sort of. Sort of. What was making you start to not like school? We did the same thing every day. And it was kind of boring? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good answer. There was no, I remember she would always complain about the one they reviewed stuff for a very long time before they got to new material in the school year. And then two, it was also, um, it was routine every day, all day, the exact same thing. And it was just so boring. She said, yeah. So I think when you get in the high school, you're dealing with kids that have, if that's starting in third grade, imagine what you're feeling like in high school, right? So you're hating the job. I think bring that fifth grade energy, that fifth grade teacher energy, which is way different than a high school teacher's energy a lot of times with you. I think that kids still want to do the fun thing. Kids, even if they tell you that they don't, they still want to do something that's not boring. That's a little bit extra, like bring all that stuff with you. So in a couple of weeks, we're planning on, um, I'm going to have, I've wanted to do this forever. I'm having a Groundhog's Day party because I think Groundhog's Day is the most fabulous holiday and so in the u.s i have like hairs in the back of my it's probably yours or marley's um uh i think it's the most fabulous holiday because here in the u.s we have groundhog's day which is a celebration right so this is so great to even explain this one that does not live in the u.s punxsutawney phil from punxsutawney pennsylvania is a groundhog and every year he comes out of his stump or hole in the ground and he lets us know if we're going to have an early winter or a late winter or an early spring. And thousands of people watch this. Thousands of people go to Punxsutawney every year and witness this. Um, and it is absurd. It, like, who cares? Right? I care. Because even though I don't like groundhogs because they eat all my plants at my old house, I still want to celebrate Groundhog's Day. And I think that my students will think it's so dumb. But if I can build culture around it, if I can make it fun, if I can make it this thing that's different every day, um, I'm super stoked about it. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, just be mindful of that. And then remember, like, that's the age that kids are becoming who they're going to become too. Like when you're in high school, that's when you start. That's why you have a, the, the reasons that you listen to punk rock or hip hop that no one that your parents hate or you have a mohawk or you got dreadlocks or you pierced your face. It's because you don't have any actual power yet in your life. You were trying to struggle with the person that grew up and did all the things the way your parents told you to do and the person that you were becoming. And so this is like practice for the person you're going to become. And I think being accepting and caring and thoughtful about that process is really important. Uh, What do you got, dude? 
Um, we're going to end, but I, there was a question that popped up that I can't find right now that I thought that you should answer because it's something very different that we don't usually get. But someone was asking, do you have issues in your school with vaping with the 420 time or 420? And um, yeah, so I think they're talking about so, like vaping. I don't know if they're talking about just like regular vaping or vaping with THC. Uh, so... I don't know that vaping is an issue in school. I don't hear kids talk about it. I definitely don't have kids smoking cigarettes as much, which I think is funny because there was this sweet spot between like the world kind of got it. Smoking's bad and kids didn't do it. And then there were no kids smoking. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, vaping. That's cool. I do have a lot of kids that I suspect are like smoking weed and stuff and drinking. And, you know, that is, that's a question of whether or not, like, I don't know what school policies are, but I talk to my students about that stuff. Like when, so this year in, in New Jersey, um, and I, my guess is Pennsylvania won't be far behind if it does get legalized in New Jersey, the legalization of marijuana is, is up on the ballot this year. So in this year's election, when we vote that is on the ballot is should, um, marijuana be legalized in New Jersey. And, so my students asked me one day, like, what do you think should happen with that? Like, do you support that or not? And I answer that question with my students um, or at least and I don't necessarily need to tell them like my stance on it, but I am not afraid to like have that conversation, the pros, the cons and stuff like that. But I definitely and this is my opinion, and I do share this with them, tell them that I don't think young people should be smoking marijuana unless it is prescribed by a doctor or like um, my one good friend that I had, uh, Brian had a son who was um, had was what it was. Walter, he had a rare have a, eye cancer that caused him to. They said he was just going to lose his vision and become blind. And his parents decided to take matters into their own hands, and they did. Um, I forget what I it, was. it was. I feel like it was CBD. CBD. It was some sort of was. thing that was. That was had to go out of state in that it. realm yeah. that they that they had something to do with marijuana or or, or big advocates or whatever. for medical marijuana yeah. and so but it cancer, cured, and they like made a whole movie about this kid and everything. So <laughs> there are things that, that like I, I believe that it is so the reason I'm talking about this is not to talk about whether or not I support marijuana use or not, but like in young people, I tell them like I do I just don't think oh. that that's the the move. I think that like a lot of my students, right? So let me say it like this. A lot of my students, I got you, are um, doing drugs, not to just party, not to just get high. And I think that teachers really need to be mindful of this. It's not just to go kick it and it's fun. When students come from very hard situations, they are trying to deal with the feelings that they have inside and they don't know how to mention them. So as Mr. Rogers says, if anything that's mentionable is manageable. And if you can't mention it, then you can't manage it. And so if you can't manage it in that way, you're looking for something to dull the pain. So sometimes that's cutting yourself. Sometimes that's um, smoking weed. Sometimes that's doing more serious drugs or drinking or whatever it is. You are trying to numb a feeling that you don't know what to do with. And so in those moments, what do you do? You, I try to have that conversation with my students to let them know there is another way that you don't have to just smoke weed or drink cough syrup or whatever other shit you're into is like, it's, there are more mentionable, more manageable ways or, or healthy ways to deal with the pain you're dealing inside because it will pass. You will get through it. You will grow from it. 
but not if you're numbing yourself to it all the time. That That's not a healthy way to do it. And so that's part of the reason that I think that young people shouldn't be smoking pot and added to the, which that, you know, your, your prefrontal cortex is not done developing and you guys make dumb decisions. And how do I know that? Cause I made dumb decisions in high school. Like when I jumped out of moving cars or did any number of other stupid things and, and to add drugs to that is like, bro, you're going to walk in front of a bus on accident. So that's that conversation that I have with students. But I think, you know, not all schools want teachers to be talking about that sort of thing. Um, and that's fine. Like, I, you know, that's, that's their opinion. Anyway. Yeah, but I would do it. But, but I know, but here's what I do though. I stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. So there are things that students ask me about that I can't speak to, but there are things that I know about and I believe about, and I feel like I have a grasp on that. Those are the things where I'm like, like, like we don't teach sex ed in school, but I talk about that stuff if my boys ask me because otherwise they go out and start making babies because they think that, right. you know, you can only get pregnant if this is the case or if that's the case. And I'm like, bro, your information's so – like you literally sound like you just made that up. They have that – like uh, what's Rogan call it? Uh, bro science. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I heard you can only get pregnant if this is happening. It's like, bro, that's so dumb. Like let me set you straight right now. This is the situation. Um. Was there one? What was the one you were pointing at, real quick? Well, that I was, was the mean. original. She said here. Oh, Melissa question. Kruger. Yeah, she said she probably. Didn't yeah. So that's that's my my take on that. Um, look, gang, before you go, I really want to just I I really like I want to just I want everyone to know how much I damn love everyone that comes on here. Like I really appreciate it that all of you show up every single week and you don't just sit here and listen to me. You like are answering questions on the side and helping me out with stuff. And when the wackos come on here and start talking about satan or whatever they're talking about we make sure we report them and delete them and like move on so this is a healthy and safe place for people to like um figure out who they are and what they're about and what they're going to do tomorrow so i really really appreciate it if you didn't see it yet like again i said my new book cover is over on instagram you can go check it out and see what it looks like teach your class off the real rap guide to teaching will be on april 2020 it's brought to you by our friends at the burgess consulting um and that's it everybody we'll see you again next week 5 p.m eastern time um, that's it. I appreciate you. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace. <laughs>